time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. It would seem that the new year is a boon for anybody that's in uh, the gym business or any other physical fitness uh, business, because suddenly everybody is ready to make a change in their life. And so the gyms are busting at the seams. In fact, uh, I stay away from uh, even my local place. Uh, I have a, a nearby place that's just for the neighborhood to work out. It's a small room. And come first of the year, it gets pretty busy in there until... Well, until about now in the year. The same is going to be true when I go to jujitsu class right now. We're busting at the seams, and the question will be how many people make it past this first month or so? The reason is because so many of our resolutions are based in a change in habit. So many of those decisions to go get into shape or exercise or anything else, you know, eat better, whatever it is that you want to do, stop drinking, stop smoking, whatever that might be, those changes in habits. Maybe you want to start a habit and you want to start uh, being more healthy or start taking a walk or anything else. Stopping, starting, those are what we do with habits. And so many times those habits, they don't last. So if you think about those New Year's resolutions as about starting habits and stopping habits, you also realize that it's not just the New Year's resolutions. It's any time we decide to make some change in our life, whatever it is, the danger is we're fighting some automatic responses. And so sometimes we end up, even if we don't want to, going down the habit hole. You know, that habit hole where you just go right back to doing what you used to do. The things that you said were not going to happen again, they happen again. I can tell you, it's true in my own life. Uh, Many times I tried to make changes in my life. And so for me, the big time for a shift in my life was because of a traumatic experience. About 15 years ago, I was way out of shape and I was way overweight and I was not eating well. I was not exercising. I was not dealing with stress well. wasn't getting much sleep. Surprised when my body finally rebelled against me and I got sick. It's not a surprise that uh, that that happened. What scared me was here I was really in my 30s, late 30s, and I was faced with the prospect of disability and eventual death from this diagnosis. In fact, the doctor didn't mince words with my wife and said, I'm so sorry, he's going to be disabled. There was no ifs, ands, or buts. The thing was, I was very sick at that moment. The good thing about that was, as sick as I was, I had an acute part of this disease that that I had. So instead of it being chronic, which would last my entire life and finally catch me by surprise at some point, it was short-lived. It burned out. I moved on. After that, I started having to ask the question, how did I get here and what can I do to make sure that I make the best of the rest of my time? So one of the things that occurred to me one day was if I wanted to make a difference in the world, and I do, I think we all do, I think we all have a place of making a difference in the world, but if I wanted to continue coaching and writing and speaking and doing all the things I love to do, something was going to have to shift because my body, which I had not been taking care of, was what was going to have to carry me through the rest of my life. And so I had to sit back and ask some questions about how I was taking care of myself. Now, sometimes people have said, oh, you must have gotten better because you started taking better care of yourself. And the fact is, I I got lucky. I got better. And then I started taking better care of myself. But it was a wake-up call. It gave me one of the things that I think helps keep us on track when we're making a change. And that's a big, big why. 
that's really where any change happens. Why am I doing it? What's, what's coming up in front of me or what do I want to do that's, that this allows me to do, right? If we just do it out of the blue, it rarely gets us very far. So I'll tell you kind of briefly how the shift happened in my own life because it wasn't all at once. The fact is that right now, where I sit, I'm probably in the best shape I've ever been in my life. Unless there's something hiding in my body, I'm in the best shape. Um, I wear the same size pants that I wore when I finished college, and uh, I have more muscle than I have ever had in my life, and I sleep well, I eat well, I exercise uh, you know, throughout the week, and, and do try to take the best care I can of myself, both emotionally and psychologically and physically so that I can keep going. But it didn't happen overnight, and it really didn't happen by surprise. It was a calculated response. I'd always wanted to scuba dive. Since I was, I don't know, preteen, I'd always wanted to scuba dive. I'd see the pictures of underwater, and I loved the ocean and loved being at the beach, and I just wanted to scuba dive, and I never learned how. I remember in college, you know, they had lessons as part of what you could take for a class, but I didn't have the money. We couldn't afford for me to do that. And so we kicked it down the road. And finally, after I was sick, my wife said, you know, it's time for you to do some things you wanted to do. Can I give you lessons for your birthday? And I protested for a little bit and then accepted. And so the first scuba class, they had us swimming in the pool to prove that we could swim. And I remember after swimming several lengths, I I finished the test, but I was exhausted. I pulled myself out of the pool and I looked up at the instructor and I said, I get it. I need to be in better shape. Now, the instructor is now a good friend of mine, so I have no idea if his smile was uh, realizing that I got it or just ready for me to keep going so he could keep an eye on the other people. But the next day I went to the gym. It was the why. I went to the why's gym and I figured out their beginning process and I started working out. But it took a while to change the habit. One of the reasons I changed the habit of not exercising was because I wanted to do something that I was feeling some passion for. I really wanted to scuba dive. I wanted to be a good scuba diver. I wanted to be a safe scuba diver. And I wanted to not be exhausted when I was swimming those laps. And so I went originally for that reason. That was my why. Why was I getting in shape? Why was I exercising? Because of this class. But over time... I realized I was starting to feel better. So my why got to be a bit bigger. Why was I getting in shape? Well, because I I wanted to live as long as I could. I wanted to be around for my kids and my family. And that, that began to be the bigger why. And over time, I began to change other pieces. Because, you know, after you go to the gym and you exercise and you look at the junk food you're about to put in your mouth, you realize that you're about to negate everything you just did. And I did began to look at what I was eating and what I was doing, and I began to change piece by piece. Here's the thing we've all got to recognize. Our habits don't happen in a vacuum. They're attached to other things. Good habits or bad habits, they tend to have attachments to things in our lives that create a sequence. So when we get up in the morning, we generally operate on automatic And we stay that way through most of our day, going through our life. We call them habits, but it's really our routines. And we live in those habits. So the habits get more and more strength with only one thing, repetition. Have you ever done something new and it it really felt awkward? Maybe it's it's something as simple as you changed out something. Say, for instance, uh, in the mornings, I get up, I make coffee. I go about several different tasks before I go for a walk. 
Well, I remember when uh, we got a new coffee maker. You know, for that moment, I suddenly had to think about what I was doing. Even something so simple, I had to think about how I was using this new machine. And it threw me off for a few days until after repetition and repetition, you start doing it automatically. Now, see, here's the thing. We do this throughout our lives. It's just part of when we take on any new thing. For a while, it feels awkward until we do it enough times that it's from awkward to automatic. And that's when it's become a habit. You think back on, let's say, the first time you, uh, maybe you had a child. If you have several children, we've got two children. So the first time you have a child, you're trying to figure out all the awkward things, you know, how to change the diaper and and hold them one arm and and fix the food and, and all of those things. And then suddenly you figure it out through repetition. It becomes automatic. It just happens. It flows. And then you don't remember how you didn't do it that way. As you know, recently I've been doing jujitsu, and so there is the habit of me going now to jujitsu. And when I don't go, it feels kind of weird. Um, last night, as I'm recording this, last night I chose not to. My body was pretty banged up, and even though there was class, I said, you know, I think I'm just going to hang out with my wife tonight. And and it felt kind of weird. In fact, she said, you know, it doesn't feel like tonight. You know, it doesn't feel like a Thursday. It feels like a Friday. And part of it was I was around. And, and I generally in the evenings have been going to this class, so it's kind of the habit. So for me, there's the habit, getting in my car, changing, getting in my car, going out to the gym and doing the class. So that's one habit. Then there's the habit of the moves. You know, at each class, generally there's something I learn new about a different move. Sometimes we're just repeating the moves, but a lot of times there's something new there. And so on a regular basis, what I'm trying to do is habituate the action. Get the habit so that it happens automatically. And the idea is that if I practice it repeatedly, if that ever happens in kind of in real life, you know, if I'm really ever rolling for sport or in a fight on the street, those skills come in automatically because I've trained them so much. So I don't have to be thinking, oh, okay, wh- where does my leg go? Where's my arm go? How, how do I move my hips? What do I need to do? It just flows. Those are habits of motion. So these habits gain strength by repetition. That's, that's what we do. But remember, there's a trigger to them. So if I use that analogy from jiu-jitsu, you know, there's a trigger. If somebody pulls back their arm to hit me a certain way, there's a trigger in me that triggers a next response of my move, of how I'm going to interact with them. We all have those on everywhere in life. There's a trigger. I have a friend who has been trying to uh, not be drinking so much, but the trigger is still there. He goes with his friends in the evening and hang out to watch a ball game. What do you do when you're watching a ball game? You pop a beer. That's his regular thing. And so he said, you know, I, I just can't figure out how, how to change that. And I said, well, that's the, oh, the hard thing is because your trigger is built into your daily life too, as it is for all of us. Years ago, I, I was talking with a doctor who had for 20 years uh, been not smoking after having smoked for lots of his life. He's an older doctor getting ready to retire. And he said, you know, the hardest thing for breaking was that it was built into his routine. He'd go see some patients and then he would head out the back door, reach into his uh, shirt pocket and pull out a cigarette and have a smoke. And he said the hard thing was he couldn't stop seeing his patients. The, the trigger was there. He would go see a certain number of patients and he would automatically be thinking, oh, it's time to go have a smoke. And he said for the next five years, all of his shirts had a tear in their uh, sleeve, in the pocket uh, on the shirts because he was reaching for the cigarettes, which were no longer there. 
It was just automatic. It was, it was the trigger. So for him, the trigger of seeing the patient, see the patient, see the patient, time to go to the back door and have a cigarette. He couldn't avoid the trigger that set up that. So think about it for a minute of the habits you're trying to change and what triggers them. And what you realize is the trigger is really part of our daily sequence. When I come down in the morning, my triggers are already there. When I hit the floor, I've already pulled all my pants and a shirt and I'm headed downstairs. My dog meets me uh, at the doorway. I start making coffee. Everything just flows through this habit. We head out the door just the regular way. And if any of it is not happening the way it's supposed to, it kind of throws me off. And the reason is because we're trying to go on automatic in our routine. Think about the physiological habits in your life. Physiological habits, meaning the things you do physically. Your body gets used to being in a current state. Scientists call that homeostasis, a biological homeostasis. Your body trying to maintain its same place. How it is de- dealing with life overall. It's much easier for your body to kind of go through a daily routine that it can count on. The kind of foods you eat and, and how you move and when you're busy and when you're resting and all of those other pieces. You know, if you've read much research lately on sleep, the importance of sleep, one of the things they keep stressing is the importance of following a routine to get good sleep. Because our body likes to be able to count on what's going to happen next. That's our biological homeostasis, including the type of foods that we want in our body and the way we move our body, our exercise. If you don't exercise much, your body adapts to not exercising. And so it tries to not exercise. It's just the routine. If your body is used to uh, a high processed carbohydrate kind of diet that a lot of Americans eat, your body expects that. And if something else comes its way, it doesn't know what to do. So what does your body do? It tries to remind you of that. So if you uh, try to exercise all of a sudden, a lot of times your body kind of rebels against you. It's sore, it's tight, it's tough. Or if you eat some different foods, your body starts craving, trying to get you back to that homeostasis point because the body likes to have whatever the current state is stay the regular state. You think about that, we, we kind of run our lives on that. Most homes have a comfort zone of just a few degrees, In the summer, we cool it down to a certain level. In the winter, we warm it up to a certain level. We put on enough clothes to keep us warm. When we get too hot, we take them off. We're trying to stay in a certain range. Even though our body is capable of dealing with the shifts. How do we know? Because we have shifted throughout the seasons in other places. There were times when we didn't have it so easy to get our bodies warm and cool at the same temperate zone. And we know people who uh, have developed patterns where their body naturally adapts to the cold and the warmth. I've been working on that myself to try to get my body out of the common homeostasis to something else that challenges a little bit. Same with food. Our bodies will adapt to eating different foods because our ancestors had to adapt to different foods at different times of the year. So it's built into us. It's just that our body would prefer it to be. We have to challenge it. We have to choose how to challenge it, especially in the day's world where it's possible to stay in that temperate zone and the same calorie zone and the same exertion zone no matter what. We don't have to change our life if we don't want to. So our body will adapt. And it doesn't matter whether it's 
adapting to something healthy or unhealthy, once it finds its homeostasis, it wants to stay there. It wants to create a habit around that. The same is true with our psychological habits. Our mind also gets used to whatever the current place is. If we are at an upbeat place, our mind gets used to that. If we're in a downbeat place, our mind gets used to that. If we're in an anxious place or a calm place, our mind gets used to that and tries to return to it. And so we begin to find how our brain, our mind, is trying to conserve energy by staying at a steady state. It's what our brain does too. It's our, our whole physiology is around trying to expend as much, as little energy as possible for as much as we can get from it. So when we figure out how to kind of move through things in a much more regular pattern, which you might think of as a habit, then our body doesn't have to think so much, process about it so much, find different energy reserves, and our brain doesn't have to think about it. We don't have to process it through our mind. It takes less energy for us to do that, which is why we have problems. We humans love and crave comfort. The problem is our comfort ends up being this place uh, for looking for a desired outcome. So the starting point, as I said earlier, was where we're really trying to find our why. What's our reason for changing? What was the reason for that resolution at the beginning of the year? What was the reason you had for wanting to make a shift? What was that place where you, and maybe it wasn't even a New Year's resolution, but that place where you want to have something different. Figure out what your biggest why is around that and make sure you write it down so you can remind yourself of what it is. The second thing that, that sends us down this habit uh, hole are those triggers. And so we do two things with those triggers. The first one is to change the triggers around us. And the second is to reset the trigger itself. So how do you do that? Change your trigger. For instance, let's say you decided that every morning you're going to get up and you're going to go exercise. So one of the things you might do is put out your exercise clothes ready that that's the only thing you can put on. Uh, just because I'm a fairly uh, hot-natured kind of person, um, I'm, I'm sleeping you know, uh, without a shirt on. And so when I get up in the morning, what do I have to put on? What I'm going to walk in. Something warm enough to walk in or cool enough to walk in, depending on the weather outside. So I immediately am putting that on. I'm grabbing everything around me that's already prepared for me to walk. Where are my shoes downstairs? Well, they're my walking shoes. They're ready to go. They're waiting for me. Everything's waiting for me so that I'm already in gear to do that. So I set my triggers up for that. Let's say you're trying to change your diet. Changing the triggers might be that you replace the snack foods with better snack foods, with healthier snack foods, or you just get rid of snacks completely and find another way. You change the trigger of what's going to happen. So if you got rid of all the stuff that you know is not good for you and you replace it with stuff that is good for you, when you reach for something, it's automatically in the better category. So you've changed the trigger of that habit. Sometimes we have to reset that habit. So changing it means we're adding something that's completely new. Resetting it may, means that we adapt the one that's already there. For instance, food is kind of that way. We reset how we're going to cook, right? We change the ingredients sometimes. We might make some of our familiar dishes, but we're doing a reset so that the ingredients are better. Or maybe you're trying to stop doing something, and so you reset how your day goes to avoid that trigger, 
I had a, a first a client who was telling me that you know his goal was to not be consuming so much alcohol in the evening. I said, well, you know, part of, tell me, how does that trigger? So my friend was in the UK. My client was living in the UK. And so the pub was his big thing. He passed it every, way on, every day on the way home from work. And so every day on the way home from work, he would stop in for a pint that ended up being several. And he said, I think that's where I've got to make an altercation, a change. And I said, so what could you do? Are there other ways to go home? And he said, yes, there are. In fact, one of them would take him away from that particular pub. And he said, you know, I don't want to go to a new pub because I don't know the people there. And I said, okay, let's try that. So for several weeks, he went the other way. And he said, at first, it felt really weird. He didn't even know how to do it. it. It just felt he knew the directions, but it just felt odd and off. But every day he did that, it became a little more the regular way. Until finally he realized that when he walked out the door, he didn't have to think about it. He just went the other way. Now, I'm a regular walker in our neighborhood, and I follow the same path. And a couple of days ago, I was coming up, and I saw another dog. And I thought to myself, oh, my, how am I possibly going to go on my walk? Because this dog is blocking me, and the, and the owner wasn't moving. And I was like, I, I, I don't even know how I would get beyond this. Until I realized it was very simple. I just turned right instead of left. At the stop sign. Just change the directions because that circle would take me right where I wanted to go. And that day, I remember as I was walking the section that we don't normally walk, I was sitting there thinking, this is really odd. It feels strange. I feel off. The second day, I walked up. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go right again just to see what that's like. And that day, I went, okay, that's not so different. By the third day, I was walking the different way. It was just part of the walk. It ended up adding a little bit to my walk, which I was looking to do anyway. And so interestingly enough, it it caught my attention that I was falling prey to the habit hole, that even something as simple as I can always turn right never occurred to me because my habit said to go left. Sometimes we have to change or reset those triggers so that we have them in the place we want them to be. Will I always walk that way? I don't know. Not too worried about it. Right now, I am walking that way. And it's as simple as going right, not left. Sometimes it's as simple as having the walking shoes out, not the slippers. Or walking the other way away from the bar. Or not having the cigarettes in the pocket where they're going to be easily accessible. There are lots of places where we can change the triggers. And as we do, we stop ourselves from going down the habit hole. This has been helpful and you realize that there's a lot more to this habit thing that you need to be aware of. I've done a whole series on habits and that whole series is available to you. You just need to drop over to uh, the uh, webpage of this uh, particular program and you can find that by going to thriveologypodcast.com if you're listening on a device or you can just look in the show notes. And just click on and find those habit, uh, the habit series so you can learn more about the linchpin habits and other pieces that will help you change whatever habits are holding you back. This is Lee Balkum wishing you the best as you work to have your thriving life. listening to the Thrivology Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at Thrivology.com or at Thrivologymagazine.com. 
Remember that Thriveology is spelled T-H-R-I-V-E-O-L-O-G-Y. It's your life. Time to live it. 